All I can say is, wow. <laughs> you, people you, were, you people know how to make someone feel welcome. And for those of you that I've offered money to, to be here, I'll see you afterwards. <laughs> really, I am overwhelmed. Thank you for being here. And, and Amanda came all the way from Russia to hear my question. <laughs> I am so honored. <laughs> and you all know my dear friend, Anita, don't you? Make sure that you make her very welcome. Someone has said that our past can be a platform for ministry, uh, used by God to minister to others, to give them hope. I believe that, and that's why I'm going to share my heart with you tonight that uh, God will use what I have to share with you to give you hope and encouragement. The past can have a powerful hold on us, and we can't change it, but you can change the way you look at your past. You don't have to remain a prisoner to a painful past. I did for too many years. We don't have to remain a prisoner to unforgiveness and bitterness. You don't have to stay stuck, in other words. Our pastor in Michigan was close to Mother's Day, and he made an announcement one Sunday that he wanted us. By the way, my son-in-law told me to carry this with me at all times. I, I, uh, like, I use a lot of lipstick because my <laughs> lips get dry. <laughs> and so... Dean told me that this would work really well. So when you see him, tell him that was really a good idea. It was helpful. <laughs> so our pastor... You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. <laughs> our pastor asked us if we would write a tribute to our mother for Mother's Day, and he would choose some to read. And I had such a desire to write something. And this is what I came up with. I wanted you to stay like other moms, but you couldn't or wouldn't, so you left me. I loved you. I wanted you to be like other moms. Their words and touch were kind. Your words and touch were cruel. So I started hating you. I wanted you to love me like other moms. You said, you need to be a better daughter first. So I started hating me. I wanted happy memories like other moms and daughters, but years kept going by without you, and those times spent with you were not like other moms and daughters. Still, I missed you. I wanted you to change, but you didn't. Then I began to pray, God, please change me. Strangely, I began loving you again. After a long time, God took away a lot of the hurt. Joy was a strange feeling at first. How I wish that you had known joy. I learned to understand you did the best you could. You couldn't give to me what you yourself lacked. I grieved for your emptiness. You never asked, but long before you died, I forgave you. 
you are my mother. And there may always be a part of my heart that says, I still miss you, and I still grieve the close relationship we never knew. I'm sorry to say, women, that my relationship with, with my mother was the most damaging and destructive relationship of my life, and it nearly destroyed me. There's a better end to that story. I came from a crazy house. There was violence, there was alcoholism and cruelty inside that house. And it all seemed to follow me even outside, just around the corner, across the street, and even at school, everywhere. I didn't feel safe any place. We didn't have a Bible. We didn't go to church, and sometimes I was sent to church by myself and giving money to go to a movie afterwards. But my grandma lived in that house too. How I loved my grandma. She was the one person who was for me. Years later, someone said to me, Marion, I don't know what would have come, become of you if it hadn't been for your grandmother. My parents divorced before I was one year old. And when I turned two, my father cut his visits to two times a year, Christmas and my birthday. Can you imagine how uncomfortable those two times a year were? He was a stranger to me. Uh, Eula, my, my mother, Eula, said, you see, I told you he, he doesn't care anything about you. He really wanted a boy, you know. His visit stopped completely when I turned 15 or 16. Actually, she had told him, I'll let you off the hook financially if you just stay away from Marion. There were no goodbyes, nothing. You know, I thought I didn't care. I thought I just didn't care. But years later, after Judy was born, I wondered why I hadn't been loved and wanted. I loved my baby so much. And, and I would get so depressed and I would be crying and I what am I crying about? And it was because I wondered why my parents had just walked out of my life. I never called Yola mother. My grandparents were mom and dad to me. Between her four marriages, Yola lived with us and she brought her rage and chaos and dysfunction of the worst kind into that home. From age 12 on, Yola often said to me, I hate you. I'd like to kill you. Nobody likes you. Do you know what it means? I think I am liked. <laughs> but that, that one more than anything stayed with me through the years. I won't repeat the names she called me. It broke my heart, but it also hardened me. I didn't feel like I belonged to anyone. And because I didn't feel loved, I went looking for love. I was easy prey for anyone who wanted to use me, whether it was the friendly neighborhood pedophile or other perpetrators more than I can remember. At a very early age, I experienced the loss of childhood and innocence. 
at age 16, I determined no one will ever touch me again. And I shut down emotionally. I was a mess. When I received Christ as my savior at 18 years of age, this may shock you, but things went from bad to worse. Oh, I was very happy for about two weeks, but because I was in bondage to several things, and I was never discipled or mentored, that happiness didn't last. I was a rageaholic, out of control, and rebellious. I was a bad influence, and on one occasion I was in trouble, trouble with the law. I have spent most of my adult life trying to overcome my childhood. You see, I wanted to change. I wanted to be a godly woman. I wanted the bottomless pit emptiness that I felt inside to go away. I wanted the feelings of worthlessness and shame to stop. I wanted to be able to love and to have healthy friendships. I wanted to be accepted and liked. But you know, the longer I go through life, the more I realize that emotional wounds don't just go away. They don't just go away. <clears throat> there are parts of us that remain wounded. And thank God for the pain, because that's what motivates us to change. If you're a Christian, emotional baggage will keep you from growing spiritually. I know the Apostle Paul said, forget what lies behind, but you can't forget what you're in bondage to. And you can't forget what you've never faced. Some wounds are like sores that have to be opened and drained and cleansed before they can heal. God's way of healing in my life was a long process, not instantaneous healing. Very seldom uh, does childhood victimization heal instantaneously. I won't say that it can't because you may have a testimony that it can. But in my case, uh, it was a long process. After a while, uh, it was memory without the sting as I worked on this problem. My past had been Satan's territory, so I asked the Lord to help me overcome it. And I said, Father, would you go back with me into my past and help me? I, I want so much to be whole. And so God and I went back into my past together. And we looked at every memory, every trauma, and every loss. I grieved. I grieved so much. I cried and I cried. And I was comforted by his presence. We did this, the Lord and I, over and over until I was able to give it all to him. God will use counselors and therapists as tools to help us, 
But ladies, there's no healing without God. He'll use those tools and they can help. I, some of those tools were not Christians and they didn't help so much. Um, but oh, when, when you get the right counselor or therapist, what a difference it makes. All of those destructive and hurtful things said to me by my mother, they were like a tape that constantly played in my mind, just constantly. I couldn't get rid of them. And I had to learn how to stop those tapes and replace them with new messages, affirmations. I had to look affirmations up in a book. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know it's what I would have loved to have heard my parents say to me when I was growing up. And so I had to stop those tapes. And I learned how to do that. The Lord did a wonderful thing for me. He let me go to a Minerith Meyer clinic. I'll tell you, that was the most healing, wonderful gift he could have given me. And they taught me there how to stop those tapes and replace them. You know, Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. And that really works. I learned how to do that at that Minerith Meyer Clinic, a renewed mind, all the lies gone. They gave me assignments that I did faithfully every day. And over time, I was transformed. I look, you know, if you ever want to know the, the assignments they gave me, I'd be glad to share it with you. These affirmations, I wrote them out. Things that I would have liked to have heard. And it, in a sense, it's like reparenting yourself. And I, I said those things to myself every day. I didn't believe them. And they said it could take a year or so before you'd believe them. But in time, it started to make a real difference. And I was transformed by the renewing of my mind. I look back at embar with embarrassment at the attitude I used to have. My attitude had been, no matter how I act, no matter how I treat you, you owe it to me to just overlook it. Because after all, I was abused and abandoned and molested for years. It's not my fault, I can't help it. I just couldn't take responsibility for my behavior because I didn't think it was my, that my sins were my fault. Guess whose fault I thought it was? God's. <laughs> just like so many other people, I believed that it was God's fault. He could have spared me from all that. He could have stopped it. I was so confused. And I've discovered, though, that God has a powerful and a wonderful way to make up for the years that the locust has eaten mm -hmm. in Joel 2. Ladies, he can still provide what we didn't receive as children, even though we're adults. Let me explain that. He does it in two ways. This is so wonderful. Number one, he does it through his word. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, 
he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And then the second way he does it, he does it through people, his people, people in your life right now. He'll use them to bring healing. Many people have made a wonderful difference in my life. But there is one person in particular. She has what you could call an enviable walk with God. She's almost 90 years old. I still love her to death. And what a difference she made in my life. Um, she made me hungry and thirsty for God. We'd go out for coffee or for lunch or something. And this woman's walk with God was so special that I could hardly wait until I got home to get on my knees in my bedroom and get my Bible and pray and read my Bible. She'd made me hungry and thirsty for God. I wanted to know God the way that she knows him. Years ago, when I confided in her, she listened to me. She didn't judge me about my anger and my bitterness toward God. And when I shared my past with her, she didn't reject me. You know what her response was? She said, Marion, I don't have all the answers, but all I know is that with all my heart, I believe in the character of God. I didn't know what that meant exactly. But I thought, wow, it's powerful stuff because it sure has done wonders in her life. And, but I didn't understand it. When she became my dearest friend and loved me in spite, in spite of all I had shared with her, that's when I started to believe that God loved me too. You know, I know that the Lord Jesus died on the cross for my sin. But I couldn't believe that God loved me. I thought if heaven has corners, God has chosen one the farthest away from me because I'm sure I disgust him. But when she loved me and still wanted to be my friend, I started to think, wait a minute, God knows all about me. Maybe he does love me after all. That was the beginning of it. Let me just say to you, never underestimate the power of your influence in the lives of others. Don't underestimate it. They might look at your enviable walk with God, and that may influence them to desire it too, what you have with the Lord. Your sphere of influence, you know where you work, where you live, where you go to church, that's your sphere of influence. Don't underestimate the power of your influence. Let me ask you, who is loving the Lord Jesus more because of your influence in their life? <clears throat> I began to realize that my view of God, my concept of him was so distorted. When we're kids, we think God is like our parents, don't we? So my concept of God was so distorted. And that's a serious problem, women, because you will be able to trust him 
only to the degree that you know him, the degree that you know the truth about him. That's, you can't trust him beyond that. That truth is found in the Bible, and it's vital that you don't base your eternal destiny on your own conclusions that you've come to, your own understanding arrived at because God hasn't done things the way you think he should have. If that's what you're basing your concept of God on, you're in deep trouble. Lean not unto your own understanding. So I began asking God to teach me about his character. I longed to know the truth. As you discover his character, you will be able to accept what he has allowed in your life. Let me ask you a couple questions. What do you know about God that will hold you steady when life doesn't make sense? What do you know about God that will hold you steady when life doesn't make sense? What do you know about God that can comfort you and give you hope when circumstances in your child's life are breaking your heart? What do you know about God that can give you hope when the circumstances in your child's life is breaking your heart? What's the truth about God that you can cling to and apply in your present circumstances? You know, invite him in to those circumstances. Ask him to teach you about his character. He'd love to answer that prayer. It's a powerful prayer. Well, let's go full circle now. I was with my mother when she died, the two of us. I've been told that the last thing we lose when we're dying is our hearing. Makes me wonder if I'm dying right now. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> and some of you know what I mean. <laughs> so since that was what I had heard, that your hearing is the last thing to go, I had been reading the Bible to my mother, and I had been talking with her, and I could tell. I'd never been with anyone when they were dying before. I could tell she was slipping away from me, leaving me for the last time. And once again, I didn't want her to go. And I heard myself saying, I'm so proud of you, Yola. I'm so glad you were my mother. I love you. Now, there's a couple things that I hope you understand, that you know. One is that God is always in motion toward you. God is always in motion toward you, even in your times of disobedience. There's, where is it? In, in Hosea, I brought this book to impress you on how much I read my Bible. <laughs> It's a good friend to me. It's been with me many years, through college even. <laughs> I love this in Hosea. The Lord said, how can I give you up? 
O Ephraim. How can I surrender you, O Israel? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I love that verse. And, and I think it's true that he doesn't go away from us. He's always in motion toward us. You know how it is. You say, well, my husband doesn't sit close to me in the car anymore. Well, he didn't move. You know, you're the one that moved. God, your sin doesn't make God mad. It grieves his heart. And it quenches his Holy Spirit, puts the fire out. But your sin doesn't make God mad. He is forever committed to you. So keep that in mind. God is always in motion toward you. He loves you so much. He longs for you to make things right with him when they're not right. And the other challenge I'd like to leave with you, do you know that you can be as close to God as you want to be? Now think about that for a minute. You can be as close to God as you choose to be. It's a matter of priorities, your priorities. <clears throat> you know that your relationship with God doesn't depend on your husband's relationship with God? As much as we'd like to blame him that our relationship <laughs> isn't what it should be. I've been married 53 years now, and my husband is just now coming around. <laughs> But you can't, don't try to blame someone else. Your relationship with God does not depend on someone else. You can grow even if someone else refuses to. You can grow. And your relationship with God doesn't depend on your circumstances. They're never going to be all right. <laughs> They're never going to be perfect. I look at the circumstances as an opportunity to grow close to him, to draw near to him. It requires a choice, your decision to make it the most important relationship in the world. And Glenda, have I gone over 30 minutes? No, you have time. Keep going. Keep going. Well, there was just one other thing, and Beth Moore taught it to us. <laughs> Beth Moore taught it to us. I loved that study on uh, breaking free. I taught it, and I read a lot of the book again before tonight because it meant, meant so much to me, made a difference in my life. A lot of us aren't satisfied with the Lord Jesus because we don't understand the difference between <clears throat> salvation does not necessarily equal satisfaction. Salvation is a gift we receive doesn't cost us anything but our faith and our trust in him. But satisfaction in Christ is something we have to seek after. We have to seek after it. There are no shortcuts. I'm sorry, you have to read your Bible and pray. <laughs> There's no getting around that. <clears throat> but I think that satisfaction with Christ comes from a love relationship with him. 
I love a love relationship with him. He's on my thoughts all the time, in my thoughts. I wake up at night and I'm thinking about him. I get up in the morning and, good morning, Lord. Sometimes I feel like a wreck. I, I don't feel particularly terrific, but my thoughts are on him. And I can't think of a time when my thoughts are not on him, unless I'm watching the wrong thing on television. But a love relationship with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, seek after it. It, it will bring you so much joy, so much satisfaction. Are there any questions, anything that you wanted to, to ask me? You know, if I hadn't had a chance to share this with someone, I think I would have exploded. Because the Lord has done so much for me. I was such a miserable, unhappy person. So lonely, so lonely. I remember in school, I never knew. My reputation was so bad. I. I didn't want to walk into a room because things would be hollered out. I never knew it happened once that I know of when a group of guys drove by the house and hollered something. And I was so afraid my grandparents would hear. I never went to a class reunion because I was ashamed. I, I was ashamed to go. Uh, I never was invited to a prom. I was the girl you wouldn't want your son to date. And it wasn't my choice to be like that. And as I said, when I turned 16, I said, no one will ever touch me again. And they didn't. It makes for a lot of difficulty when you get married. I know as sure as I'm standing here, have a wonderful marriage, but it could have been so much better if my life had been different. That's part of what I was angry about with the Lord. Um, that things couldn't be the way that they could have been. If he hadn't let all that happen, we live in a sinful world, don't we? He didn't do that to me. He didn't do those things. Why do we always blame him? There is a Satan, isn't there? But the fact that he could forgive and bring wholeness to my life, I can't thank him enough. I'm so thankful. So. If, if anybody uh, wants to know my assignments from Minerith Meyer Clinic, <laughs> anything if you want to know, I'd be glad to talk with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you.